Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our CT evaluation of liver masses, looking at key differential diagnosis points. Now, we spoke at the end of the last talk about cystic liver lesions, and I mentioned some of the multilocular cystic hepatic masses in the differential included hepatoma, metastasis, particularly cystic mats like ovarian cancer and gist tumors, mesenchymal hematoma, and a very unusual entity, inflammatory myoblastic tumor. We also talk about biliary cyst adenomas and cyst adenocarcinomas. And this is a tumor that usually occurs in middle-aged female. We talk about biliary cyst adenomas as transforming into a cyst adenocarcinoma over time. We used to spend a lot of time arguing what was benign versus what was malignant. Now they're all considered malignant or pre-malignant, so they'll all be resected. They're typically large, solitary, multilocular lesions with well-circumscribed smooth margins and with internal septations. Enhancement or calcification can occur in the cyst wall. Classic appearance. Now, the one thing I will mention with biliary cyst adenomas, in the right scenario, in the right country, at the right time, things like hydata disease can look very similar. Hydata disease and multiple septations, 70% will have calcification. Usually the cysts are better defined, those daughter cysts. Here you see very nice septations. This was a biliary cyst adenoma. Here's another example, large cystic lesion. First you say hepatic cyst, then you see the septations and you recognize you're dealing with a biliary cyst adenoma. The septation's particularly nicely again shown on the patient's coronal views. Another example, biliary cyst adenoma. Again, at first glance, it looks like the gallbladder until you realize the gallbladder is separate. And then you also recognize that it has a slightly thickened wall and it has slight septations. This is an unusual appearance, but biliary cyst adenomas can tend to be exophytic. So it was a great example of a nice case. Here is again another example with contracted gallbladder right there. But then you see the cystic lesion. So it's not just a simple cyst of the liver, but it has septations, slightly thickened wall, and that's going to put it in the biliary cyst adenoma category. You truly would think this looks like a benign lesion, but again, the difficulty in being certain epithology leads this to be resected. Now, when we talk about liver tumors in general, the one that's most common beyond cysts are hemangiomas. Hemangiomas are benign lesions. They never become malignant. The challenge is sometimes you can't recognize them. We used to speak about hemangiomas and a peripheral pattern of enhancement, but that typically happens in about 90% of cases. So in some cases, you're not gonna have the classic findings, so it can be trickier. So some facts. It's more common in women than men, right low predominant. It occurs often in the periphery of the liver. And as I mentioned, 90% are classic with peripheral puddling and filling in from a peripheral to central pattern. Hemangiomas, when they're over 5 cm, are considered giant hemangiomas. The range in size from several millimeters to 20 centimeters has been reported. Sometimes hemangiomas will be resected because they're so large and they're giving the patient symptoms but there's no chance of resecting them just because you're worried about pre-malignancy. Hemangiomas do not become malignant, so they're benign lesions. 
Now, the typical thing, as you can see here, is the peripheral puddling. Now, one of the challenges is if you only have early arterial phase imaging, you may not be really appreciating the 360 degrees of peripheral puddling. So if I was going to pick one time zone, 70 seconds might be a little bit better. But usually, I do well on the arterial phase also. Uh, as I mentioned, over 5 cm, they're considered giant hemangiomas. Resection is not based on any size number, but based on patient symptoms. Here it is a little bit better on the coronal view. You see the puddling around the edge of the lesion. You can see on the MIP imaging, since you project through the lesion, you really do appreciate the puddling that surrounds the lesion. We talk about vascular hepatic lesions, but this is not the pattern of a vascular lesion like a hepatoma or metastasis or any other malignancy. This is peripheral puddling, often with a feeding vessel to the edge from the hepatic artery. And you can see as you carry on into the study, the peripheral puddling increases. When you go over further time, the lesion will become isodense in most cases, though you may see a central scar. In the old days, it was felt that to call something a hemangioma, you had to have full enhancement. The lesion had to become isodense, but we no longer uh, find that to be the case. Often, you would wait 30 minutes for it to fill in, which we don't do for anything. The point is the early study, that peripheral enhancement, really makes it easiest for me. The venous phase just simply, in many cases, or even most cases, just simply adds to my certainty as to what the lesion is. Very nice puddling. Same case, you see as you go further in how the puddling increases. So you have increased puddling around the edge of the lesion. Now we know that malignancies can have peripheral enhancement, but those are rim enhancement and the rim is typically irregular. Not this puddling type appearance, which increases over time till the lesion becomes mostly isodense. And here's just a few more views of that. Here it is again with that peripheral puddling with the venous phase perhaps shows it a little bit better. Hemangioma, as I mentioned, can be very large. Here's a large one in the left lobe of the liver. What you also see in this case are multiple hemangiomas. One of the things to remember is that hemangiomas can be multiple. So uh, it's not going to be all that surprising to see multiple lesions of variable sizes. We also can comment when I speak about FNH that it's not uncommon for the patient to have both an FNH and a hemangioma. Another example here, again, that peripheral puddling and the filling in of the lesion over time. And again, if you feel uncomfortable, am I really seeing puddling, then simply use a thin slab MIP image. It makes it very easy to reach the right diagnosis. And here it is, the lesion continuing to fill in over time. Another example, left lobe of liver, very bright peripheral enhancement. The MIP shows it particularly well. Again, you could ask me, how do I know it's not a malignancy? Well, malignancies have rim enhancement, but again, this thickening of that, there's entirety of the enhancement early. Here is like a puddling appearance, and that puddling is really nicely shown, particularly on the MIP imaging. So that can really help you out a lot. So I think that becomes very important and can be a good uh, potential pearl for you. And here's again, the lesion filling in as we look at the sequence of images. In terms of hemangiomas, I mentioned that typically arterial and venous, I'll make the right diagnosis, 
but if you're uncertain, delayed phase imaging at four minutes, perhaps the filling in there will be more convincing for you. Two lesions that can benefit from delayed phase, one is hemangiomas, in those cases we are uncertain, and the second perhaps is cholangiocarcinoma, which at times will show better on the late phase imaging. And again, here's that peripheral puddling. Another example, again, very nice peripheral puddling. I'm showing you a number of cases because I really want you to get a good feel of how the lesion looks, and I don't want you to be confused or be uncertain when you make the diagnosis. And again, late versus early phase, looking at the same lesion. And again, very nice puddling till you reach that point. Now, it's interesting, we talk about a range of lesion sizes. I do find that the classic appearance is probably most common in lesions three or four centimeters or better, but you will see it in smaller lesions as well. The challenge is with very small lesions, it's hard to tell if you're seeing puddling or rim enhancement. That makes it a bit challenging, but usually we're not gonna have great difficulty. Here's a nice example with the puddling. And again, the MIP imaging is particularly good at showing that, as well as the feeding vessel, which is seen in many things. In hemangiomas, the feeding vessels to the periphery. In FNH, is to the center. Hepatoma can be through the lesion, but with hepatoma, you get neovascularity, not this smooth branching you see here. And you can see over time, that lesion does fill in fairly nicely. Now, all the cases I showed you for the most part were in the liver, and most hemangiomas, right lobe more than left, but they're intrahepatic. A certain percent of hemangiomas, which can be the most challenging, can be exophytic. This patient was referred to us for an exophytic lesion felt to be a gist tumor. You look at the images, this looks like a classic gist tumor coming off the stomach. Gist tumors are typically exophytic. Now the request said just tumors, so I knew it was very simple, though I did note that the lesion had some funny peripheral puddling. You can see it early, there's some puddling, and late. And I just said, gee, this is a really atypical appearance for just tumors. Just tumors can have some vascularity, but this is really strange. It looks almost like a hemangioma. Well, if you look hard, which I didn't notice at that time, is there's a, a little wedge here. This is the left lobe of the liver, and this is really a pedunculated mass. It looked like a gist tumor, and I've seen this about a half a dozen times. It's always misread as a gist tumor, but this was a hepatic hemangioma that was exophytic, a really great case. So just something to consider. When you see that peripheral puddling, you better be thinking about hemangioma. I've seen other cases where the lesions had puddling and someone all of a sudden says it's vascular, it's liver, it's an angiosarcoma. Now, first of all, angiosarcomas are very rare, but if you biopsy a hemangioma, it'll come back as a vascular tumor, and then the next thing you know, you're dealing with an angiosarcoma for a hemangioma. So again, you wanna be very careful. Here's another patient left up a quadrant pain. There's peripheral enhancement. Again, it almost looks like a gist tumor coming off the stomach, but it's simply a enlarged left lobe of the liver with a mass pushing on the stomach but that peripheral puddling made you know that it wasn't a gist tumor and it was a cavernous hemangioma. There it is very nicely showing you that same case on the cinematic renderings really nicely there, the solid mass. Okay, just a really great pitfall. And I've seen this several times, so you wanna be careful. 
Again, we talk about hemangiomas as being intrahepatic, but they can be exophytic. This was a little less impressive as an exophytic lesion compared to the prior case, but you can still see the problem. Look at this one. Look at this hemangioma here coming off the liver. It looks like it's near, but you don't think about it coming off. And again, you would say, aha, a gist tumor. But again, when you look at it carefully through all the windows, reconstructions, and enhancement, you're dealing with an exophytic hemangioma simulating a gist tumor. Just a wonderful example and a great pitfall. Now, will this lesion get resected? The patient was having symptoms, and these exophytic lesions can often have symptoms, but at least you're doing a resection of a benign hepatic tumor and not worrying about a partial gastrectomy for a gist tumor. And again, just some nice delayed phase images and that peripheral puddling, if you don't think about it, hemangiomas can enhance a little bit, but they're typically small hemangiomas, not the large ones. The large ones can have vascular mets, but the primary tumor itself is typically not vascular. And again, here's matching cinematic renderings with a really good set of images there. Now, one thing also to mention, hemangiomas, particularly the smaller ones, can have perfusion changes around the lesion. And I do understand when you start seeing perfusion changes, you always worry about malignancy because malignancy often has perfusion changes. Here you see prominent rim enhancement and you could say, well, am I sure I'm dealing with hemangioma? There's so much rim enhancement. Maybe I'm dealing with a neuroendocrine tumor metastatic to liver. And I see all these perfusion changes. When I see perfusion changes, I always worry about malignancy. Here it is on the MIP imaging. Here it is on the cinematic. You see nicely the feeding hepatic artery branches. You see the peripheral enhancement. You see the perfusion changes. And again, you gotta be thinking, could I be wrong here? But this ended up being a cavernous hemangioma. So you can see it can be challenging. Some of the most challenging ones are the small hemangiomas, which looks like rings. How do I know this is a hemangioma and not a small vascular tumor with rim enhancement? It's a challenge when they're so small. But this lesion was followed and was simply a hemangioma. Now, as we go under the benign category, what else do we think about? Well, this lesion, you could say, aha, first it looks like maybe it's a hemangioma, but it's totally vascular homogeneous, so it's not the appearance of hemangioma. And you see also, when you look at the image on the right, which is five minutes later, the lesion is essentially isodense, though you can see its borders, but it's isodense. What lesion becomes so bright early and becomes isodense? You could say hepatomas, certain metastases, like neuroendocrine tumors, can be very bright, but they're rarely bright and homogeneous, like this case is, and they typically don't fill in as quickly. And this is a wonderful example. Here's another case. Again, lesion right lobe of liver, not as vascular as the last case, but look how quickly it became isodense. Here's another lesion, very vascular, homogeneous. Now, when I say it's vascular, it's not as bright as the aorta. It's only as bright as the IVC, and that's a good differential point. It has a central scar within it, when I wrote the original paper a lifetime ago, I said central scars were classic for FNH. Well, central scars do occur in FNH, but it can occur in hepatoma and a range of other tumors. Now, 
Usually with um, FNH, the central scar is low density, like here, and then fills in over time. Hemangiomas often can have central scars as well, or look like they have central scars because the center of the vessel may not be enhancing. But you can see this lesion quickly washes out, the scar is still there, and we're talking about FNH. Female predominance, less than 20% of patients are going to be symptomatic and has no malignant potential. So if it's not bothering the patient and you can make the diagnosis, it's a leave-alone lesion. FNH is the second most common benign liver lesion after hemangioma with reported prevalence of 0.9% in the adult population. Male to female ratio is 1 to 8, and the characteristics of FNH regarding patient sex have been debated. Again, more common in females. It's often an incidental finding. And again, that differential between FNH and other vascular lesions, be it hepatoma or hepatic adenoma or metastasis, indeed becomes very, very important because FNH is essentially a leave-alone lesion. There's no bleeding, there's no malignancies. If you knew it was what it was, you could just leave it alone. Now, in terms of CT findings, uh, non-contrast, isoattenuating or hyperattenuating, arterial face, hypervascular, but only as bright as the IVC, often will have a large central feeding vessel. On venous phase or a bit later, it can become isodense to the liver. So a couple examples, large lesion and a second lesion next to it. So FNH can be multiple. You can see the central scar nicely. It's exactly as bright as the IVC, not as bright as the aorta. And here's that central vessel coming into the center scar. And you can see as you go across, here we go from um, the coronal to the volume rendering to the MIP where the vessel and the central scar is shown best. And you can see very nice appearance, classic for FNH. And as you go on a little bit, the lesion has become nearly isodense. You still can see the borders of the lesion, but look how quickly it washed out. The central scar classically, but not always, also washes out. And again, arterial to venous to delayed phase imaging. Here you see on delay, the scar is gone. The lesion's borders, if you look hard, can be seen, but the lesion is essentially gone. Just a beautiful example of focal nodular hyperplasia. Another example here, non-contrast. You just don't see it even in retrospect. Well, maybe when you know it's there, you can see it. But look at its arterial phase imaging. Look at the central scar. Look how bright it is and equal to the IVC. Just a really nice example of that. And again, the importance, if you only had late phase imaging, how easy it is to miss a hepatic uh, tumor like FNH. Now, the good news is, if you miss an FNH, it's not going to be critical because they're a benign lesion. The big challenge is recognizing the lesions and, again, recognizing the washout value. Again, other examples of FNH, some of them are not as bright as others. Some take a little bit longer to fill in and become isodense. Again, feeding vessel to the center is not uncommon, but there's no neovascularity. A really good example of the MIP imaging in that case as well. So you can see there's a range of appearances, but there's certain characteristics with FNH. You see it here standing out on the cinematic rendering. 
on the early phase and then becoming isodense as we get later, even though I'm accentuating the lesion and you really could see it. So key differential diagnosis points, it enhances to the level of the IVC, but not the aorta. Feeding vessel to the center of the lesion, thin is common. Central scar, which is often vascular on arterial phase imaging, but isodense on later phase imaging can be seen. And the lesion can become isodense and commonly becomes isodense in late phase imaging. And just to show you, I showed you examples of how they simulated uh, gastric gist tumors. Here's one that presented as an appendicitis where there's a large mass right lower quadrant coming off the right lobe of the liver with that prominent vascularity and the feeding vessel. And here's an example of a couple of FNHs, one with central scar, one with a prominent feeding vessel. Just a really nice example of some of the classic appearances of FNH. And just to mention, they can be tricky sometimes. This is an FNH which is coming off the liver. This was biopsy as an angiosarcoma. You can imagine what happened. Uh, it came back with vessels and the pathologist read it as an angiosarcoma because the radiologist worried about a malignancy. Well, this is an exophytic hemangioma. Normal vascularity, some feeding vessels. But again, something to remember that I showed you how they can be in the periphery. They could be almost pedunculated. And here is essentially a pedunculated lesion near the patient's caudate lobe. So FNH may present as a pedunculated lesion in 9% of cases. I don't think it's that high, but it is a challenge and you wanna be careful that you make the right diagnosis. So what about this incidental finding? I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's start off the next talk with this as a quiz question and let's go from there. So with that, we've covered FNH. I've gone through a lot of the key points. We spoke about it relative to hemangioma, the importance of multiple lesions at the same time, the importance of and challenges of how FNH can overlap with other lesions, but the importance of recognizing it's a benign lesion and a leave alone lesion. So with that, I'll stop there and I'll be happy to take any questions. Well, the good news is, or the bad news is, you're not here, so you can't ask me any questions. But if you have any, just email me on CTSS. And I'll see you in a few moments. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.